0: Greet each one of you this evening in the worthy and the precious name of Jesus. So appreciated your singing this evening. I don't know if it's proper to call youth girls or youth ladies or youth sisters, whatever the proper title is, but really appreciate your singing, especially the song In Need of Grace, In Need of Love, In Need of Christ. That's, that's a beautiful song. So thank you for sharing that with us here this evening. Once again, I want to express my appreciation to whoever is the different people that are providing the snacks in our vehicle after church. Last evening there was a box of donuts in there. I don't know, somebody's got my number because I really like donuts. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting as I saw the box of donuts and I was thinking about this evening because I was—I mean, want to tell you a story about donuts this evening of all things and not the ones that we had last night. The um, story I'm thinking about is it. one Monday at work I don't think Demetrius is here. I don't see Demetrius, so I'll blame him. Uh, One Monday at work, I think it was Demetrius, he brought donuts to the office and treated the office with donuts. And they weren't just regular donuts, they were donuts from Wiser's in Akron. There's this little grocery store in Akron, and they have a little bakery, and they make donuts in there, and they are just really, really, really good donuts. And so he brought these donuts in, and he puts them by the coffee bar, and and, uh, they were there available for all for the taking, which is wonderful. Great way to start a Monday morning. Except I had decided that day that I was going to fast, and I wasn't planning to eat that day. And now we have donuts there, and I just enjoy donuts. Do you think those donuts kind of bothered me throughout the day as they were there right beside the coffee machine, go over and get a cup of coffee and there's these donuts. I was tempted to abandon my fast and there'd been nothing wrong with that to abandon my fast and to eat a donut. But I didn't, I, I, I withheld that, but I was thinking about the idea. Or I was thinking about what we're going to be talking about this evening is temptation, temptations. I believe it is safe to say, I'm confident that it's safe to say that all of us face temptations. We all face temptations of varying degrees, varying types, varying ways, but I think it's something that we all have in common that we face temptations. Now, for some of you, I can imagine that you place a box of donuts before you and it doesn't really matter. They're, donuts are not your thing. They're not a draw. They're not an attraction or something that you enjoy. You just They're not your thing. For me, I like donuts, I I enjoy them, and so when there's a box of donuts there, I want to enjoy them, I want to partake in them. But whether or not it's donuts, whether it's something else, we all face temptations, it's something that we all face. The title of the message this evening is Overcoming Temptation. And no, I'm not going to give you a secret key of how you can resist donuts when they're placed in front of you or, or whatever else that food item is that you really enjoy. That's not what we're thinking about this evening. Might use that as an illustration, but we're not going to be thinking about that. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll be working out of verses 12 through 15 this evening. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. We're going to be talking a lot about temptation, so just so we're on the same page, a definition of temptation is the act of tempting, enticement to evil by arguments, by flattery, by the offer of some real or apparent good, solicitation of the passions. I want you to get, get, really lock that in your mind. Solicitation of the passions, enticements to evil, producing from the prospect of pleasure or advantage, that which is presented to the mind as an inducement to evil. Temptation. James Chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Verse 12 begins with Blessed. Blessed is the man. Now I am convinced, I'm sure that all of us here want to be blessed of God. It is our desire to be blessed of God. James says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And I'm thinking, James, couldn't we have some better options here to be blessed of God? Do we have to endure temptations to be blessed? James says, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, when he has gone through those difficult temptations, he shall receive the crown of life. I know it is your heart's desire, as it is mine, to be blessed of God. It's my heart's desire to receive the crown of life. To receive the crown of life from which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And to do that, to do that, we need to endure temptations. We need to overcome the temptations that come our way. Backing up to verses 2, 3, and 4 in Genesis chapter 1, here, James says, My brethren, he says, Counted all joy when you fall into divers or different temptations. So not only do we need to endure temptation to be blessed of God, but we're supposed to also count it as joy. We're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to count it joy when we fall in diverse temptation. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. That you mean perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So not only are we to endure temptation be blessed, to receive the crown of life, but we're also to find joy in it. We're to count it all joy because the the temptations, the trials, the difficulties that we go through, it is working us, it is developing in us the growing of patience, the growing of excellence in our Christian walk, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the trying of our faith worketh patience and let it work in our lives. Let it have that perfect work in our lives, that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Temptation. Blessed are you when you endure temptation, and were to count it joy. Going back to those verses there, verses 14 and 15, notice what James says. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That is a total opposite place of arriving than receiving the crown of life. As I, as I read these verses and I think about this idea of temptation, and depending on what we do with temptation, depending on how we handle temptation, there are polar opposites of results. If we endure temptation, we overcome, we're successful in overcoming temptation, we are blessed of God, we receive the crown of life. However, if we're enticed and drawn away, it leads to sin, which leads to death. Total opposite. So as we look at temptation, and as we look at what is at stake in how we handle it, I think it's important that we think about, we process, how do we be successful in overcoming temptation. Since the the outcomes of what happens and what we do with temptation is total opposite, leads to either the crown of life or leads to death, it's important in looking at how do we be successful in overcoming temptation. How do we overcome temptation Endure it to be blessed of God and receive the crown of life. We want to study this evening three people. And I think that as I believe that as we study these three people, it will help us in being successful in overcoming temptation. Being successful in enduring temptation, that we can be blessed of God and receive the crown of life. The first person that we want to study this evening is ourselves, ourselves. The first person we want to study and think about is ourselves. And we look at James chapter verse 14, you're out of chapter one. I'm sorry, James chapter one, verse 14, James says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, his own lust, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's why we're looking at ourselves because we are tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. So it starts with us it starts with our own now first of all let's clarify here this word lust is not just narrowed down to sexual in nature it is much broader than that it is desires it is the passions it's the longings the eagerness to possess the things that we desire to enjoy our wants our needs its desires every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own desires here's what we have to realize when it comes to temptations the foundation of a temptation is, is what is within us. The, temp- the foundation of a temptation is within us. It's that longing, it's that desire, it's that passion, it's that unmet need, that unsatisfaction that we're longing to fulfill connects with that temptation. And that's where it gains its power. There's external inducements. There are things that, that trigger that desire you could say donuts trigger that desire but what it is trying to fulfill is that natural desire of food of being filled with food or just enjoying lots of good sugar too I guess it's one or the other that's an external inducement to fulfill a desire a longing that I have of enjoying a good donut by default we people as people We have a natural set of longings. We have a natural set of desires that we are born with. It's part of human nature. It's these longings that we have internally to be secure. We desire to be safe. We desire to be comfortable. We we have natural appetites for food, for pleasure, for enjoyment. We long to belong to and to be valued. We want to be appreciated. These are all natural desires that we have. These are the things that are internal on which a temptation builds and grabs us. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, own desires, and enticed. Not all these longings and desires that I referenced are wrong. They are natural desires that God gives to us. They are natural desires that are put within us. But maybe think of it this way. Think of all these all these. Internal these natural longings, desires that we have, think of it as a fish tank. All of those fish inside there. And they are desiring, they they are have the potential to hook on, to grab a hook of a temptation that is dangled in front of them. Okay? It's like a fish tank. All those desires are fish within that tank. And they have the potential of grabbing onto a hook that is dangled in front of them. Now, I don't know if, if Satan, he's, if he's continually dangling hooks in front of all of us all the time. I, I shouldn't say I don't know that. I know he is. Continually putting temptations out there. And every now and then, they connect with a desire, with a longing, with a, a, a want, a need that we have. And we're tempted because of that longing desire within us. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Going back to that Monday there in the office when the donuts were brought in and there was donuts placed there, I was hungry. That was a longing, that was a desire that I had. If I would have had a big breakfast that morning, if my wife would have made an amazing breakfast of eggs and bacon and and whatnot and toast and capped it off with a homemade cinnamon roll, do you think those desires that those donuts would have had as much of a pool would have been much of a draw for me? Probably not. I still would have wanted one because I enjoy donuts. But if that need of food was fulfilled, I wouldn't have had the desire to indulge in a donut. But because I was hungry, it was there. Now, again, nothing wrong with donuts. Nothing, that's not what we're, we're talking about, but the connection between an external inducement, something placed before us, and that inner longing, that inner desire, you might have a desire to be financially secure, and so you're tempted to overwork, to work long hours and minimize time with family, time with God, time with relationships, with people. You might have a desire to be, to be beautiful and to be, desire, to be desirable to others, and so you're tempted to dress immodestly or frivolously or a way that catches the eye. You might have a, a desire to have fulfillment, to be happy, a natural desire but then you chase whatever promise that it might whatever it might be that promises fulfillment and happiness you might have a desire to be successful and so you're tempted to over borrow and to overextend yourself to have all those nice toys that you look at that that you have the perception that you're then successful do you see how temptation is connected to a desire those desires are not necessarily wrong but they have the potential If not kept in discipline, they have the potential to lead into trouble, to lead into sin, to be tempted, and to take us down the wrong path. This is why it's important to study, to understand ourselves. What is it that makes me tick? What is it that I am likely likely to be tempted in because of an unmet need that I have, an unmet desire that I have, unsatisfied in something, a fulfillment, a longing that I have, that I'm likely to be tempted in? I encourage you the next time that you're tempted in an area take the time to pause and to think why was I tempted in that area why did that grab me why was I tempted there what is the inner part of me what's that what's that longing that desire that that temptation connected with okay just as, just as you might be tempted with donuts but not tempted with salad why what's the difference they're both food, why did that temptation grab you? Why did it appeal to you? What is that inner longing that it's that is connecting with? Take the time to look inwardly and say, what is that temptation connecting with? And then what do I do about it? How do I address that longing within me how do i address that area what do i need to do is it something i need to surrender to god is it an area that i need to to petition god to fulfill me in that area is it something that i need to put in extra safeguards or have an accountability partner what do i need to do to correct that area so that i'm not tempted that leads to failure in that area looking inwardly understanding myself what is that lust? What is that own desire, my own desire that I am tempted in? Every man is tempted, James 1.14 says, when he is drawn away of his own lust. What is my own lust? What is my own desire that is potential to be leading to temptation, to enticement? That's the first person we need to study is ourselves. The second person is Satan. And I find it fascinating here in this passage of James in, in verses 12 through 15 there, that never once does James even mention the role of Satan in our temptations that we struggle with. He's left out of the picture. He talks about our own lust and he talks about God. But I do believe it's valuable, I do believe it's important to take some time to think about who Satan is and his role in temptations. Throughout scripture, Satan is described as the accuser of the brethren. In Revelations Revelation 12, 10, he's described as the adversary, the enemy, an evil spirit, father of lies or liar. Satan's described as a murderer, the prince of this world, ruler of the darkness of this world. He's a wicked one. And Matthew 4.3 describes Satan as the tempter. In my opinion, that is a horrible list of things that Satan is described as. But that's who he is. He is our adversary. He is the enemy of our soul. I think I was 11 or 12 years old. Our family, my parents, were youth advisors there at Faith. And we went with the youth one Saturday down to the Philly Zoo. Uh, We took the train down to the Philly Zoo and spent the day there at the zoo. And throughout the day, we had observed, there was different signs that said, you know, different things happening at different times. And there was some, some chatter that different people mentioned that, I forget the exact time, but late in the afternoon, they fed the lions. And they said, it's a very worthwhile thing to experience as they feed the lions. And so this was right at the time when it was time to leave the zoo, to go back, to catch the train, to head back to Lancaster County. But it was just enough time to quick go over there and watch and feed the lions. And I remember as we were approaching the, uh, the lion cage, whatever you want to call it, it was like a house that they had kind of had where the open air cages came into where they had shelter and stuff. You could walk through there. And as we approached there, you could hear the lions roaring and barking, just a tremendous roar. And as we entered into that concrete building, it was solid tiles and glass windows and stuff. As the lions were roaring and barking, you felt it within your chest. And it just, I remember I was like half timid, half scared to walk in and, and observe this. But all it was, was there was a zoo handler in there and he had these big chunks of meat. And he would go to one lion and feed that one. And the other one saw him do that and they were roaring and and barking and making their noise, telling them it's their turn next. And as we observe, they destroyed the meat. That's what comes to my mind when I read 1 Peter 5.8, where it says that we are to be sober, we are to be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, I was very grateful for those secure cages, because I didn't want to be the meal for that lion that evening. Satan... As the roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He is out to get us. He is out to destroy us. He is our adversary. He is constantly on the prowl. And we should be fearful of what he can do to us. As I said, Matthew 4.3 describes Satan as a tempter. And we must understand, I think we do understand that, excuse me, temptations, come from Satan. He is the originator. He is the one that brings temptations our way and his goal in bringing temptations to us is that we are destroyed. He longs to see, he desires to see us destroyed. He is out to destroy every one of us. I think it's also important as we think about Satan and who he is, as we understand who he is, that we understand who he is not. He is not omnipotent like God. He is not all-knowing. He doesn't have the power of God. His power is limited, and he is subordinate to God. We see that in Job. He can only go so far. He is not omnipresent. He is a roaring lion, seeking, roaming about, seeking whom he may devour, but he is not everywhere at once. He is not as God in that regard, and he's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. That's who Satan is not. He is not like God. He is not all powerful as God is. However, on the same token, he is very powerful. And he has the power to make our lives very, very difficult with temptation. But his power is limited. And we're going to see that in the, in the next person that we study, which is God. God. So Satan is not like God. He does not have all that power. His power is limited. God has full control and can throttle, can limit the amount of temptation of what Satan can do. The third person that we want to study here this evening, if we want to call him a person, is God. We want to think about who God is James says in chapter 1 there verse 13 he says let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man. James is very clear that God has nothing to do with initiating evil temptations towards us. He has nothing to do with that. No man can say when he is tempted I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil he has nothing to do with evil and he does not bring evil temptations our way. That is not God. God is holy. God is just. God desires to see us prosper and succeed in our Christian walk. He does not desire to see us fall and to be destroyed like Satan does. Sometimes when we're tempted, and we fall or we fail or we wrestle with this temptation, we look for some place to place the blame, somewhere to place the blame. It goes back to our heritage with Adam and Eve. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. We love to place the blame somewhere rather than taking responsibility and saying, you know what? It was this desire within me. It was this unmet longing that I have that it connected with. That's why I faced this. We love to place the blame somewhere. And sometimes we we'll even go so far as to say, this is the way God made me. I can't have victory in this. I'm not able to because this is just the way God made me. It's not true. God does not... Initiate evil our way. God does not tempt us with evil. We cannot place the blame on God. He is the total opposite of evil. James chapter 1, if we were to look down further at verses 17 and 18, this is God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of His creatures. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from God. God is the provider of every good gift and every perfect gift. He is not the provider of evil. He is not the provider of temptation. God doesn't send... Evil temptations our way. We can't say, this came from God. No man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. It comes from the enemy. It comes from Satan. God does allow hardships, trials, testings to come our way. But the goal of those testings is to strengthen our faith. As it said in verse 3 and 4, to let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God desires to fulfill us. God desires to see us stronger, to see us stronger in the faith. He does not bring temptations our way, but He does allow hardships, testings to come our way. But also bear in mind as we think about hardships that sometimes we go through difficulties because of choices that we have made. If we make a series of bad choices, that brings hardship our way. It's not God necessarily bringing testing into our life, but it's us reaping the, the sowing that we have done. I think my favorite verse when I think about temptation is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This verse gives us a better picture of who God is in regards to temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to this verse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Did you catch that? Did you get that? There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Notice the attributes of God here in this verse. God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear. And with a temptation, with every temptation that comes your way, He makes sure there is a way of escape. He makes sure there is a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If you feel that there are temptations that you're wrestling with, that there are things that you're wrestling with, that you cannot have victory over, this is a verse that you need to commit to memory. This is a verse that we need to get a hold of in understanding who God is. Nobody knows us better than God. God knows exactly what we can handle. God knows what we are able to to bear, what we're able to handle. And he limits, he throttles those temptations that they are not more than what we can bear. And so it is, it is a very comforting thought to me that when a temptation comes my way, the first thought that should come to my mind is, is the thought that God believes I can handle this. God believes I can handle this. And God is faithful in providing a way of escape. This is not a temptation that I can't bear. This is a temptation that is set to what I can bear. This is the limit that God has allowed, and He has made it a way of escape. I need to see God and find it. There's hope in that. That is a beautiful verse of understanding who God is, that He is faithful, that He does not allow a temptation to come that is stronger than you can bear. When we fail in a temptation and we say, well, this is just the way God has made us, we have not grasped and understood who God is and that He desires for us to escape, He provides a way for us to escape, and He has set the limit, and it is not above what we can handle. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's how we can count it joy when a temptation comes our way. When a temptation comes our way and it hits us, we can count it joy because we can say, hey, God has already known this is coming to me, And he has set the limit, and he's made a way of escape. There's freedom. Where is that escape, God? How do I find that escape, God? God, you have made a way of escape. Show it to me. There's hope in overcoming temptation. When we live in defeat and feel that we have no way of overcoming temptations, we haven't really gotten a hold of understanding who God is. We haven't sought the face of God and understanding who He is and sought out what He is showing us in His way of escape. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 in closing here. Matthew chapter 4, we want to study this real quickly, look at Jesus and the temptations that He went through, the the pattern that He set for us in handling temptation. Matthew chapter 4. I don't think I'm going to take the time to read the verses. We know the, the occasion, we know the, what happened here with Jesus as he was led out into the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil and he faced three different temptations. First temptation that he fed. remember he had been fasting for 40 days and the first temptation he faced was the turning of the stones into bread. Now remember we talked about that temptation connects with an inner longing. Forty days of fasting, I'm sure he was hungry. He was desiring food, that inner longing. Was there anything wrong with Jesus turning the stones into bread? I don't know. Other than that, he would have been operating under the direction of Satan instead of operating under the direction of God. But he rebuffs that temptation with Scripture. He rebuffs that temptation with Scripture. Then then Satan takes Jesus and he brings him to the temple, to the pinnacle of the temple, and he tells him to jump down from there, and he says that God will protect you. I'm not sure what Satan was driving at here. I'm not sure what exactly he was trying to get at with Jesus other than that in the first temptation Jesus referenced the goodness of God. So I don't know if Satan was trying to trap Jesus and saying well if God is truly good he'll protect you why don't you go ahead and test it out. But again Jesus rebuffs that temptation with scripture. And the third temptation that Satan brought to Jesus was to bow down and to worship him. It was like Satan went all in and said hey let's just see if we can get Jesus to shortcut the plan of God Instead of going to the cross, just bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. It wasn't a shortcut. It wasn't an easy route. And again, Jesus rebuffed the temptation that came his way with Scripture. There's two thoughts that I have here in observing how Jesus handled these temptations. One is knowing Scripture and knowing God is very important in overcoming temptation. I also want to take note of verse 11. After Satan left him, Verse 11 there it says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Battling temptation is tiring. Battling those darts that the enemy throws at us, trying to get us to fall, it's wearying. And we need to go back to the Scripture. We need to go back to God's Word. And we need to remind ourselves that what Satan is doing to us is set to a limit that God believes that we can handle that God believes we can handle. And we need to find our strength in God. We need to reach out to the brotherhood and say, pray for me, assist me, walk with me in this. I am struggling in this area. I need your help. Because it is wearying and it is discouraging to be facing the darts of the enemy continually. But unfortunately, that's a reality in life. Temptation is a reality in our Christian walk. Satan desires to see us destroyed. He desires to see us torn down. And he's not going to let up until the day we die. It's fascinating me already as I've sat with, with folks that are terminally ill. And as they are on their deathbed, and they're you know, just days or weeks be- before they pass from this life to the next, and they talk about the temptations that come their way. The questions that Satan plants in their minds. He doesn't give up, but it is to a limit that God believes you can handle. There is hope in that. Satan doesn't give up, but God limits that to what we can handle, and he gives us the grace for that. We've talked about three people this evening, that I believe that as we get a hold of these, as we study these three people, it will give us the opportunity, it will enable us, it will help us in overcoming temptation. The first person is ourselves. Understanding ourselves. What are those areas of lust within us that temptations connect with? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, his own desires. What are those areas of unmet longings or desires of unsatisfaction that are going to be targeted by temptations that you need to be vigilant in, that you need to address, be it through seeking God, surrendering to God, be it through being vigilant and setting up safeguards or accountability. What are those areas in your heart that need to be taken to God where temptation is going to target? Understand who Satan is, that he is solely out to destroy us. He is seeking to destroy us. He is our enemy. He is powerful, but he is not all powerful like God. To be victorious, it is also important that we understand the nature of God, who God is, that he is the source of every good and perfect gift. He limits temptation not above what we are able to handle, but keeps it to where we can handle it. And he provides a way of escape. With every temptation. He limits it, provides a way of escape. I know it's your desire to be blessed of God, to receive the crown of life, as James 1:12 says, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. That's our desire. Enduring temptation to receive the crown of life. Look inwardly, look at yourself. Understand who Satan is, but understand who God is and where our strength and our power comes from. I invite you to stand for a word of prayer. And then we'll sing after the after word of prayer, we'll sing the uh, first two verses of 379 in the Christian hymnal. Number 379 in the Christian hymnal. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the understanding of who you are and that you are in control of everything that comes our way. And Father, in the area of temptation, we ask for strength. We ask for grace to endure. We ask that you would help us to be victorious in overcoming temptations. And when we fail, God, give us the strength to get back up and to try again and to continue on. Thank you, God, that you are all-knowing, you're all-controlling and that you know what we can handle, and that you have provided a way of escape. I pray, God, that you give us the strength as we go forth from here. I pray that you would help us be vigilant and to endure through the end. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. First two verses of number 379. God bless you for being here.